0: Hello, and welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read incestuous Harry Potter fanfiction so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read City of Bones by Cassandra Clare. Joining us to discuss this overwrought YA fantasy novel is Nicole, writer and secretly Kate's cousin.
1: But don't tell Kate. Hi, everyone.
0: (laughs) Hi, Nicole. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) Nicole. yeah, it's much too early in the podcast for us to reveal secrets like that. You have to do a shocking reveal halfway through after Kate's already
2: in love with you. <laughs> First we have to heavily hint at it in like every other scene. <laughs> so yeah, City of Bones, this
0: book is something, but it <laughs> is that indeed. It's a definite long something um and we'll before we jump in to talk about the book we're going to talk a little bit about um the author cassandra clare and i'm gonna turn that over to kate because i actually can never i've tried to read the whole backstory behind cassandra clare's like rise and fall from fandom power and every time i try to read about it my brain just like shuts down i'm like what what
2: so you, you try <laughs> um, so we've like obviously we've read a couple books and we've talked a lot about other books um, on the podcast that started their life as fan fiction and various authors who used to be fandom authors and things like that and there's a lot more than you would think and I think the reason that Cassie Clare stands out is that she wasn't just a fan fiction author she was a notorious fan fiction author there even people who weren't in Harry Potter fandom knew her name because all of the drama around her was so pervasive that you couldn't help but but watch along like it was a train wreck
0: I'm also gonna interject I think another reason is that a lot of people maybe wrote fan like um, what was it, E.L. James wrote as Snow Queen Ice Dragon or something, but Cassie Clare just wrote as Cassie Clare, like, I don't
2: think... Well, she wrote, she did have an LJ name and a pen name that she used, but...
0: But didn't, okay, I guess I always heard of it as Cassie Clare.
2: Yeah, like, uh, Cassie Clare is also a pen name, and that was how she started being known, like, she had a different lj name and a different name on fanfiction.net but cassie claire was the pen name she had chosen for herself and kind of went by that and when she um moved into doing uh profic she just kept the same pen name with like a slight alteration like claire is spelled differently and it's full cassandra now but like obviously it's it's the same thing So I'm just going to touch upon the four major things um, surrounding Cassie Claire that are probably the reasons why uh, when you say her name in front of friends you have in fandom, they hiss. Um, (laughs) Cassie Claire was a Harry Potter BNF. Um, BNF stands for big name fan. And the big name fans are the people that everyone knows. Everyone reads their stuff. Everyone wants to be their best friend. And a lot of times, like, they'll get their own sub fandom around them of people who are fans of theirs even more than they are fans of the source material. Cassie Clare was a huge BNF in Harry Potter fandom uh, in the early 2000s. And I I think, like, genuinely what happened was the power went to her head and she kind of abused it and unfortunately to the point where when she made the transition into writing professional fiction those ties were still there especially because she didn't change her pen name she is most well known for this plagiarism scandal that happened uh she was posting a very popular harry potter fanfic on fanfiction.net it was a a trilogy actual actually the draco trilogy And within the story, it was kind of peppered with quotes from other things like there would be times when one of the characters would say a line verbatim from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Red Dwarf and Star Trek and um, her fans kind of treated this they were all uncredited in the disclaimers and everything disclaimers were a thing we used to put on fan fiction to assure the copyright holders that this was all in fun and, and we did not mean it and we did not own the characters but something that could not be attributed to that guess the quote game was there were full paragraphs from a fantasy novel that had been published in the middle of one of the chapters and somebody discovered it and alerted fanfiction.net and they had the story removed for plagiarism because plagiarism was against their community guidelines. Um, Cassie Clare had a gazillion fans, as I said, and they all revolted at this and were so angry and how dare fanfiction.net do this when she did very obviously plagiarize from this book Um, her defense is that she had written she had read the book many years ago and written the passage in her writing notebook because she was so moved by it and totally forgot And when she discovered it um, years later, she assumed that she had written it herself. So she had used it for this fan fiction that she wrote. Um, (laughs) In the wake of this, her and all of her legions of fans started a new Harry Potter fan fiction only website. And it kind of drove people away from fanfiction.net to post their fic on this site instead. Um. So the plagiarism was a big thing. It was something that she never owned up to. And there was a, a girl, a woman in fandom, who was a lawyer who, like, immediately was like, oh, no, you know, Cassie's in the right, and you guys don't understand legalese, and, you know, she it's totally fair use. And it was just, it turned into a whole big brouhaha. And I think a lot of people were more upset that she wouldn't admit to having be at, being at fault than that she did it in the first place. Um, so, in the wake of that, like it just polarized people more. She had like staunch defenders who would defend anything she said or did. And she and this like inner circle of fans of hers really just kind of let the power go to their heads. They bullied a lot of people in fandom. They decided that they were they particularly didn't like one character and one ship. Um, the ship being Ginny Weasley and Harry Potter. And bullied people who were fans of that ship, um, bullied people who ran the website. I think at one point the website was hacked and just were, was was mean. She was mean. She, Anytime anybody spoke out against her, she would swear that it was slander and libel. I think in at least one instance, it led to the cops being called on some like teenage kid um, for speaking out against her. On the internet which is nonsense um, and there was a, a point where she her house her apartment was robbed and she asked for money for new computers and new iPods and oh, somebody bought her an iPod because she wrote on her live journal that she really wanted one but couldn't afford it so someone bought it for her just like weird kind of power abusive things that went on <sighs> There was one more that I thought of. Oh, there was a charity after um, she raised all this money to buy her and her roommate and her boyfriend new laptops after their apartment was broken into. A girl contacted her asking her to plug, um, I think it was her mother's cancer charity. And essentially, like, she and her inner circle bullied the hell out of this girl over it claiming that it was, wasn't legit and that she was just trying to, like, glom on to Cassie's success and everything. It was just not nice. It was middle school, but from adults who should know better and on, like, a really massive scale. Um, And eventually she kind of started to pull herself away from that. There was this whole other um, drama that happened with a woman who lied about a lot of things trying to get into her inner circle. And I think that was kind of like the the realization that she was in deep shit and she was making people do bad things in order to gain her favor. And she kind of uh, fell away from that after that. She was also really weird with the very secret diaries, which was a Lord of the Rings thing that she did that g- got very, very popular, that she um, had problems with people parodying and stuff.
0: That's primarily what I know her from, because, I mean, obviously I like Harry Potter, but I was never really in the Harry Potter fandom, because it was just overwhelming to me. But I had seen those very secret diaries, and, like, most people listening to this probably have seen them. It's, like, in retrospect now, they're not even, like, that funny, but at the time, I think because there wasn't as much, like humor now i think it would be like one quick thing that would be on the toast or something like that but because there wasn't so much other like humor of that sort on the internet i don't know it really blew up but it was just in the vein of the it was sort of like bridget jones's diary but for all the harry potter characters or not harry potter um lord of the rings rings,
2: yeah it was like aragon's Aragorn. Um, not aragorn. aragorn all the nerds sorry. are so mad, <laughs> so mad at us it was aragorn's like secret journal that he kept during fellowship of the ring and it was like just like very over the top humor which now like because i definitely laughed at it i definitely um i was in harry potter fandom but i was in a, a different part of harry potter fandom so, like, a lot of this, I, I was around when this was going on, but it wasn't directly affecting me.
1: Yeah, um, I, I've always been on the outskirts of fandom, but I remember hearing about when all this was going down, and unlike Renata, I actually, I've never read the Draco trilogy, I was a bigger fan of uh, The Very Secret Diaries, but I remember in Harry Potter fandom when, like, all this was sort of going on, and I was just like, ooh, I'm glad I'm not anywhere near that. Yeah,
2: it was, and, like, from from all accounts, from what I can see now, like... Eventually, she got her shit together. She stopped being a dick, you know, went on to have a professional publishing career, whatever. I don't fault her. It's fine. But, like, it was, there's a lot of bad blood. And there were people who I know who were personally hurt by her who still, like, can't even stand to hear her name um, because of, like, the type of cruelty that, and especially, like, to kids. A lot of people were kids. Like, I was a teenager when this was going on. A lot of the people involved were teenagers, and it's just mean to act like that towards other kids or people who are younger than you. Wait,
0: how Um, old is she? I thought she was like our age.
2: She's a little older than us, I think.
0: I'm going to look that up. Um, I have to say, uh, I, I feel kind of sympathetic toward her just because I know when I was a teenager, on musical theater message boards. Like, I know in retrospect that I was just, like, a huge dick to people, and it was just kind of like, oh, this is a place where, like, I know more than somebody and, like, whatever, and I have maybe, like, more social capital here than I do in high school. And so, like, it's hilarious to be a dick to people on this message board. And now I'm like, oh, what the hell? Like, um, you know. But I, I think... I don't think I was on the scale of Cassandra Clare, but... Yeah, no one ever
2: bought me an iPod. (laughs) No, yeah. But I was an asshole. I was absolutely an asshole as a kid. I'm still an asshole. Like, I try really hard to be better now than I was. But I'm on a fucking podcast where we make fun of books that we don't think are very good. (laughs) Cassandra
0: Clare is 41 years old. And her real name is Judith Rumelt.
1: Wait, Really? apparently whoa according to
2: wikipedia <laughs>
1: okay
2: yeah i knew she was a little older than we were um for the record we're all about 30 yeah, yeah. so i mean like that's that's pretty much we we can link in the in the um show notes in the footnotes for this episode, like some of the places where you can read about this because <laughs> the internet never forgets. Never. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> this is still chronicled on the internet. Back in the day, there was a website called Fandom Wank. Their, their main cause <laughs> in life was to find people who were just being radically mean, over dramatic, overreacting, and kind of mock them. Um, not, I, not, I think to be cruel, but more to point out when people were completely overreacting to fandom. I mean, like, obviously there were parts of it that were cruel, but it it was definitely like a, here is the man who invokes his wife, the horse and (laughs) things like that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of records of all of this stuff as it happened. And, you know, I, I definitely like as an adult looking back at it. Like I said, she never hurt me personally. I think she probably made some bad choices that she was old enough to know better, but I can't really hold too much against her because God knows I would never want anyone to read my live journal from when I was 16 years old. So-
0: <laughs> that's why that shit is locked. Legit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, okay, so that's who Cassandra Clare is, but let's now talk about what she has done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh but she's done
0: and what she has done is write the mortal instrument series starting with book one city of bones which we read
1: yeah. yeah i do have to say that it took me a while to read this book i only read it because someone gave it to me and it's actually because of like all the fandom stuff that went down i just it like really kind of put me off immediately when it came out so i didn't read it right away
0: I read it. um, This is the second time I've read this book. Uh, I read it a few years ago just because this came out in 2007, but it is still really popular. I have one of my library's copies and I'm looking at it like I need to withdraw this because it's falling apart. It's been read to death. And so I, I read it because even though it wasn't the newest thing, it was still very popular. And I was like, okay, let me see why. And you know, I, at the time I read it, and I knew a little bit about, you know, Cassandra Clare and all that, and I was like, oh, I don't know. And it, it was fine. It was a fine book. I didn't love it, but I read it, and I was like, I can see, like, why this is so popular, especially with, like, a certain type of teen girl, mainly, and... Uh, upon my reread, I had basically the same reaction. If anything, I like it more now. Like I was saying with Model Land, I think that reading so much stuff for this podcast has really shifted my bar of, like, what's a
1: bad book? And now I'm like, this is great. Like,
0: I'll give this three stars on Goodreads. I, yeah,
1: I, I definitely don't think that this is the worst book that you guys have read, but it is one of the worst books that I read, but it's because I don't purposely read bad books in order to do a podcast normally, so...
0: Right. Well, and even without purposely reading bad books, if you don't purposely try to read like all of what's popular in YA, because that's another thing I do just for my job as teen librarian. And so I read a lot of like shitty books for that reason, too.
1: Which is fine.
0: If it makes the kids happy, I don't care. I'll buy more copies of it. (laughs) That said, that's not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast is to say like why exactly this is bad because it is bad it's just not that bad
2: (laughs) it's very like my my main thought when i was reading it was that it was very derivative um that there was nothing in it that made me like i knew every beat of the story before it happened all of the characters i
0: still don't understand every beat of this story
2: Well, she the said major, she, the she major knew
1: beats. them. But she didn't necessarily understand <laughs> <Yeah>. them. <laughs> okay, okay.
2: You know, like the major the major beats. Um, I, I figured out pretty quickly and all of the characters were archetypes that I had seen a million times before. And like strangely, and I was saying this to some friends at brunch today, um the thing that struck me most about it was that it seemed derivative in a way that was old. Mm -hmm. Um, It seemed to me like as I was reading it, all I could think of was Buffy, but Buffy when it started, like 1997 Buffy, in a way that I think was very different than what the teen landscape was like in 2007. Um, You know, I thought that it was it was much more like what the teen landscape was like a decade beforehand. And now reading it almost a decade after even that, it just felt very dated to me.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things I noticed, too, was that it just, nothing about it felt new or different, even from 2007. So, like you were just saying, I was just like, I've read all these characters and ideas somewhere else done better.
0: Um, I have I have two thoughts. Um, this, it, it, I cringed a lot reading this, and the main reason why was because a lot of this I read, and I was like, ooh, I could have written this, and, like... You know, I I write fan fiction as a hobby sometimes. I'm not great at it. I know that. I'm not going to try to publish or anything. But I also, like, I have a tendency where, like, what I like to write most is dialogue. And I'll just get, like, hung up on that and just, like, keep writing sassy dialogue back and forth. And then I'll be like, oh, this isn't actually accomplishing anything. Delete, delete, delete. And I feel like Cassie never got that... (laughs)
1: <laughs> that voice heard that was like, delete, delete,
0: delete. You know, maybe, yeah. you just, maybe you just need, like, two zingers and then move on to the plot. And she was just like, I have so many zingers, guys. Zing, 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 zing. Forever. And so I read that and I, I acknowledged that part of myself. And I was like, oh, no, like, never. Like, stop it. Cassie, somebody should have stopped this from you.
1: Yeah, I actually... Part of when I was reading it, I was like, where was the editor? Because I feel like, I mean, I don't 100% know everything that an editor's supposed to do, but I really feel like there were times where I was like, the editor wasn't like, let's cut this scene down. or, or And if the editor did, then I'm like terrified to know what the first draft of this book looked like. <laughs> It was, um,
2: it did remind me, because I did read some of her fan fiction back in the day. I wasn't, it was outside of my, what I would read. Like I mostly, when I was in Harry Potter fandom, all I read about was Remus Lupin and Sirius Black. But this story was so popular and some of my friends um, liked it. So I read parts of the Draco trilogy, but I never really followed it. And it, it felt very much like there are all of these little, um, like wink wink nudge nudge references to other books by friends of hers to people that she knew there's one point where out of nowhere clary the main character name drops a girl at school who's never mentioned again and was never mentioned before in like one scene and it's the name of another girl who was a popular who's a popular author now who got her start in harry potter fandom around the same time so it was just like filled with little things that pulled me out of it because I recognized that they were awkwardly inserted references to other media. Or
0: like when, when Clary's naming all the buttons she has on I her jacket. And she has a button that says still not king, which is from the very secret diaries, her Lord of the Rings <laughs> fic. So yeah, it posits that Clary lives in a world where
2: Cassandra Clare's fanfiction is still popular. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, that's so weird. Um, but let's uh, let's tell you a little bit about this book. Before this becomes a <laughs> about nice what happens episode. in it, besides like how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the book is about a girl named Clary, uh, who Clary Frey. Uh, she's a 15 year old who's living in Brooklyn. And she, it starts with her outside of a club, like essentially the bronze. They're essentially <laughs> outside the bronze from Buffy. Or it the is Peach a, Pit. <laughs> it is a um, gothy, vampire inspired dance club for underage people. And it's filled with beautiful people in like goth clothes and makeup. She is uh, standing outside of it. She notices a beautiful boy with bright green eyes and blue hair who um, goes in ahead of them. And when she gets inside the club, she's there with her best friend, Simon, who's just like a regular nerd, cool, cool nerd type. Who's Xander? She's there with Xander. And... (laughs) um, (laughs) She sees the 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 blue haired boy get wooed away from the crowd by a beautiful girl in a white dress, and she follows them with her eyes and sees two more boys follow the two of them down a dark hallway and go into a room marked "No admittance. So she freaks out because it looks like they have knives. And when she goes back there, um, everyone is shocked that she can see them and they s- she watches them kill the blue haired boy and they're telling her that they're shadow hunters and that he was a demon that they're shocked that she can see them. And when Simon follows her back there, he real, she realizes that he can't see them and that's why they're so surprised.
0: Naturally. So, In short, it turns out that, of course, like she was she's a shadow hunter as well. Like she can see all this stuff and she goes back. Her mom is disappeared. Her family friend, Luke, is also gone. And those are like the only real adults in her life. So she ends up going with um, Jace is the three kids who she meets are Jace, who's like super hot, and then a set of siblings named Alec and Isabel, who are also super hot but Jace is the one she's attracted to. And uh, they take her back to the Institute, which is where they train the little baby shadow hunters. They give her just like chapters and chapters of info dump about all the stuff she needs to know about how demons are real and vampires are real and oh my god, everything's real. And uh, the villain of the world. Um, is kind of like you know a voldemort like he wants to kill all the humans and like only wants magical things to be around his name's well about- no
2: he wants to kill all the magical things what is he- <laughs> so the shadow hunters <laughs> are humans who are um given a drink of mixed angel and human blood that gives them the ability to see all of these shout the shadow world mm, okay. well some of them are
1: Some of them are born into it though, right? Like not all of them have to drink the blood thing. If two people
2: who have this blood in them already um, have a baby, that baby will be a shadow hunter. If a normal human is given a drink from this chalice, they might become a shadow hunter or the transformation might kill them. Uh, Valentine, the bad guy, he was like the Voldemort. And there was a sect of the shadow hunters who wanted to rid the world of downlanders, Right. I'm
1: saying. Down, okay. Down yeah. Downworlders. Yes.
2: Downworlders oh, yeah. down are vampires, werewolves, fairies, selkies, any kind of mythical creature. Um, a lot of times they're part human and part demon. Um, like vampires and werewolves and things are part human, part demon. Cassandra Clare um, so uses
0: the word demon, by the way, like very loosely. Like, yes. I-, I think we could spend an hour fully just trying to figure out what a demon means to Cassandra Clare, but I think it means like so much more than just demon. Yeah. Anyway. Uh,
2: <laughs> so essentially um, Valentine, the Voldemort wanted to kill all downworlders, but because a lot of them are part human and a lot of them aren't all bad. Um, The other shadow hunters did not want to do this. They just wanted to selectively kill the ones who were bad. Um, So he had stolen the sacred cup that makes more shadow hunters and um, essentially just wanted to give it to all humans so that all more shadow hunters will emerge because fighting demons is hard work and lots of people die early. So their numbers were dwindling and the special elder council or whatever Didn't want to just give the chalice of fancy shadow hunter making to every human, which he wanted to do.
0: Well, because, okay, because I was kind of right, because he does kind of want to kill all the humans, because if he gives, if he makes every human drink from the cup, like 80% of them will die, right? Isn't that like only 20% of them will survive? Yeah. So most of them will die, and then the ones who don't die will become shadow hunters. Which are I guess they're still human, but like special humans. Yeah. So he wants to Uh, rid the world of special snowflakes. Yeah, he wants to rid the world of boring humans and also demons. So the world would only be special humans.
2: (laughs) Um. So he he's kidnapped. Uh, Clary's mother. He used to be a part of a circle of people who believe this way. He was the leader and Clary's mother. Yes, they're not called (laughs) that, but they are that. He was the leader of the Death Eaters, and Clary's mother, she finds out, and her mother's best friend, Luke, were also part of that order, but they broke away when they realized how crazy he was. Also a part of the order was the instructor, the only apparent instructor (laughs) at the institute where Jace and Alec and Isabelle are learning to be shadow hunters, and he also broke away, as did um, Alec and Isabelle's parents. So, but they, everyone was kind of punished for breaking away for being a part of the group in the first place. So they find out that he has, he's kidnapped Clary's mother because he thinks that she has this special chalice. And is, it, is it called the mortal cup? The or? mortal cup, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so he thinks that she has the mortal cup, so he kidnaps her. And this book is 500 pages long. like literally for the first couple hundred pages they don't know why Clary can see the shadow world because she's like ignorant to it and despite the fact that her name her mother's name is Jocelyn and she was born approximately around the time that their friend Jocelyn who was a shadow hunter magically disappeared and everyone thought was dead like no one makes the connection Plus, That's and because her... they're all
1: too busy talking. Like, no <laughs> one has time to think about that for two seconds because they're all just talking forever. They're just busy bantering. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and also, beyond that, her name was Jocelyn Fairchild, and she changed it to Jocelyn Frey. Like, she didn't even change it that much.
2: Yeah. It's very... And, it, like, they absolutely take this 16-, 15-year-old girl's word for it. They're like, oh, you know, you you don't know the shadow hunters? You don't know the shadow world? Like, is it possible anyone in your family could? And she's like, no, my mother hates magic and won't let me talk about fairy tales or any magical related things or keep any of it in the house. Like, that's not a clue. <laughs> right. Well,
0: and I mean, I guess you could say part of it is that Jace and his bros are like, so disdainful of the mundanes. So if they think she's a mundane, then I don't know. I think they weren't that interested in looking that deeply into it. I would think Hodge would have figured it out, but well, yes. maybe he kind of did because he was he betrayed them, so maybe he was just like whatever. I, I don't fucking know, fucking whatever. Yeah, That's I how I, I feel.
1: Can't, I can't yeah. remember when Hodge says that he suspected something. I feel like it was it was late though. It's like before he says this before they went to go get the cup or something. But I'm like, dude, you should have figured this out a lot sooner. Like mm-hmm. I Roslyn figured it out is- way sooner
2: jocelyn is not a very common name right, I feel. right.
0: <laughs> yeah it's not even like she started going by joe or something <laughs> still jocelyn just yeah whatever also luke luke was lucian and nobody figured that out either I yeah know. um also luke's a werewolf i forget if we said that but he is
2: so they're essentially like they're on this quest to first find where clary's mother was taken And then eventually once they figure out, Valentine has her to find this mortal cup so that they can trade it for her mother in a move that never would have really made much sense and I don't know why Hodge went along with it except that, I guess, it turns out that he's betrayed them. He's always been loyal to Valentine. His curse, which I actually, I do have to give Cassie Claire props for this. So, because he was on Valentine's side, his punishment is that he's chained to the Institute. He can't ever leave it. And he especially. Not a literal
0: chain, just like magically chained. Yeah. Like
2: magically, he's not allowed to leave the Institute, including going back to the home country of the Shadowland people. Um, And he's really broken up about it. But I did think that that was a clever way to get out of the usual, how will we allow these teenagers to do things without adult supervision? Like, he literally can't follow them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I-, I will give her props for that. That was clever.
0: Okay. So then, then it turns out that Valentine is Clary's dad, but also is Jace's dad. So they're <laughs> siblings! No, After they've already kissed. They've yes, already they've all... kissed. <laughs>
2: um, there's like all this stuff where um, Jace talks all the time about his father was killed when he was 10 and he's going to get revenge against the people who killed his father and da 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 da. And it turns out that Valentine killed Jace's father and Jace, or killed the man Jace thought was his father and that man's son, and then essentially took his place. And raised Jace as if they were this other father and son,
0: and also was kind of like a fucked up dad too. Like Jace loves his dad, but it when you hear about the things that Valentine did as a dad, you're like, oh okay, like this is an abused child who just like has kind of been clinging to this. I would imagine his feelings get sorted out more in further books, but I don't care to read them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, because uh. because at first, Valentine you, you have, you're like very optimistic about this. I'm not I'm not I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, so because at first when Jace
0: sees what Valentine looks like, because he's always heard Valentine's a bad dude, but he's never like seen a photo and been like, oh, shit, that's my dad. Um, so he, he they're like oh valentine boo and then he sees the guy's face and he's like dad and then at first he it seems like he's going jace is going to betray all his friends for his dad valentine but then he's like no that's fucked up i'll like you know help you clary because of if, if valentine like if this is all true and you are valentine then i don't want to support your nonsense with the mortal cup and whatever so he stands with clary but it seems like he might not for a while
2: yeah. There's also like five million romantic subplots going on throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah, so it, the end is that you know he doesn't betray them for Valentine. They don't defeat Valentine. Valentine gets away with the mortal cup, right? Yes. Yeah with the cup, yeah, to the city of glass in the yeah in
0: the made up
2: country where the
0: shadow hunters live. yeah.
2: um so there's like fifteen okay. romantic subplots going on where, Uh, Clary's best friend Simon is very obviously in love with him and she, with her, with her. (laughs) With
1: with himself. Because they're
2: (laughs) very self-involved. Um, kind of true. And she's clearly like doing that, like, oh, I get so jealous when he's around other girls and I can't help but think about how handsome he is and I really like when he touches me, but we're just best friends kind of thing going on in her own head. She I also, even,
1: I mean, that's what they were. That's what she was going for. But I didn't even. I wasn't that convinced by it. I think I you're, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I
0: read it as more like I don't even think she's supposed to like him so much as like she realizes like oh Isabel likes Simon like what the hell he's not hot oh wait is he oh I don't know what like I think yeah, it's more very... like recognizing that other people find him to be attractive and maybe even being jealous that she would lose him as a friend
2: maybe I don't know I did kind of read it as the you know, oh, I've realized now that I have feelings because of jealousy thing, especially in the coffee shop. There's a part in a coffee shop where they're hanging out like before all the the action of the book starts and a girl comes up and is like, oh my God, is that guy single? Like, can I go out with him? And she's like really upset about it, but she kind of realizes that to be a good friend, she needs to tell him that this cute girl thinks that he's cute.
1: Yeah, I think, I definitely think the intention is for it to come across as like, clary does have these like feelings for simon that she like never realized but it was just kind of lukewarm to me the whole time like i was just never it's like just as that would start developing she'd be distracted by jace again and i was like okay
0: she's like way she's like hella into jace and like maybe a little bit confusedly into simon
2: I didn't really get her being into Jace at all. What? Like, really? I, like I, She made like a lot of comments about how hot he was and stuff, but it never seemed like, oh, he was so hot. It was more like commenting on a person. Like, as a lesbian, I might comment and say, like, oh yeah, you know, that guy's attractive. Like, yeah, you know, he's totally hot and all these girls are all like I never really felt her having strong feelings for him, so I was kind of confused because I figured out pretty quickly that she was he was going to be revealed to be her brother. Yeah. So I was kind of confused when they had that like moonlight picnic and kissed because it seemed to come out of nowhere to me. What
1: Kate? She is hella <laughs> you know, into Jace. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think part of the problem is that they're supposed to be Ginny and Draco, and
2: <laughs> and then also totally into jace is alec the boy who is also a shadow hunter at the institute with jace who like is super in love with him and it's like really obvious to everyone but it's also like supposed to be a secret that he's gay because shadow hunters are homophobic
0: and isabel also seems kind of into jace but more just in a general jealousy way i think yeah kind of Uh, i guess kind of in the way that Clary's into Simon, which is to say not super, but yeah, just in yeah. a way to be annoyed by other people who would want to spend time with Simon.
2: But then, of course, um there is another character who's introduced who's the head warlo- warlock of Brooklyn. An actual thing in the That made book. me laugh. <laughs> I I thought that was intentionally funny and I liked it. <laughs> um and he is very obviously gay and apparently is like a fan favorite character and was spun off into his own series. But um, he's very obviously into Alec and then like comes when Alec gets injured, he comes to the Institute and like performs magic on him to heal him and sits up with him all night holding his hand or something. So that obviously I'm guessing in other books goes somewhere and Alec gets over Jace. But Yeah,
1: they definitely end up dating. I read the Wikipedia right before. We started the podcast and <laughs> Alec and Magnus definitely start dating.
0: I'm going to say also, that's another thing that I, that I like about this book. That, you know, they're not the main characters or anything, but there are at least, like, actual openly gay characters in this. And also, um, Magnus is an Asian warlock, so there's, like, a multiracial, multi-magical alliance... gay relationship happening yeah and especially since this came out in 2007 i mean you were seeing that in fandom but i mean still i mean still you don't see that much like um queer stuff like openly queer stuff especially in fantasy and ya and i think that it's acknowledged at all even if it's maybe you know it's not front and center and it's maybe not the the most well done relationship or whatever like it's there and it's like Actually, there, and not just subtext and so yeah thats cool. I have to
2: like I have to give props for that whole for that whole group because like uh, Sarah Reese Brennan mm-hmm. was a part of that Harry Potter fan fiction now writes profic group and she also like always has queer people in her books like even in the background Holly and, black uh, Holly black and um Libba Bray to some extent,
0: yeah so. Th- that's definitely like the plus side of like oh this is obviously from fandom in a yeah. good way do um, we even
2: finish getting through the plot i don't remember. yeah we kind of did yeah we, we did the portal yeah okay yeah, like, <laughs> lots of random things happen where they'll like go to do something that's vaguely related to the plot but is really just kind of like there's a whole part where simon they go to the party at magnus's house to get information from him, and Simon drinks a potion and turns into a rat and is kidnapped by vampires. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with the plot at all, but like they spend a hundred pages going on this journey to. Save him To the vampire hotel
1: It's it's so goddamn ridiculous The first time I read the book I couldn't stand it And the second time I read the book I was equally like This has nothing to do with anything The only thing I guess it has to do with is in A later book Again, I I just read all the plot summaries In a later book I think Simon ends up Becoming a vampire because of Raphael So it's like But now, but knowing that I'm like So it's obviously just to set it up for later But they spend so much time doing this For like oh god <laughs> i just can't even
0: yeah well and um, i guess it's kind of like in harry potter like they would have kind of these side adventures like oh and also hagrid has a dragon and like so we'll spend some time dealing with this or, like whatever but uh, of course in harry potter it, it's usually ties back to the narrative much more clearly although yeah. like you say maybe this does come back in another book But it's that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and like the thing, like in Harry Potter, where when things would come up, if they didn't come back later, they still somehow moved something along in the story at hand. Like, even if it was character development or something, like literally nothing happens in those scenes where they're going to get Simon. Like, there's not really any character development. There's like nothing... So she didn't, like, find a way to tie it in. It does a little bit.
0: God, I'm defending this book. Whatever. Because Clary, Clary, like, throws the knife and wounds the werewolf. And then those are the werewolves who come back later. But so it's a little bit like her being like, oh, yeah, I can kind of be a badass, but not really. And then also introducing these werewolves who come back later. And the vamp. Anyway, like, whatever. We can all agree she spent way too long on it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And just as, like, a total sidebar, as someone who has some experience with throwing knives it is really freaking hard to throw a knife on your first try and like it's i was just like really really though so just putting that in there
0: i want to know more about your knife throwing
1: experience. <laughs> no you don't i'm terrible at it <laughs>
0: but like is it like just for fun or like are you a vigilante <laughs> <laughs> well i can't
1: tell you that mm,
0: of course <laughs> we'll talk later <laughs> <laughs> uh okay is there any other like major point we want to address before we go into our dramatic readings
1: Ugh, I don't know, I have so many points, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't... It's really just that, like, the pacing in, in the book. Like, you know, like Kate was saying, it's 500 pages, but so much of that is just, like, nothing. It's so much fuck. of it is banter. Also. Yeah, and just info dumping, and, and then, like, the last 100 pages... Like, this is the thing, is when the action starts happening... The story is interesting. It's not new and it's not, you know, but it's, it's at least, like, it, it keeps you interested. Except that then, all the action happens so close together, it's like a jumble. So then even then, I was like, I'm bored because it's, like, nonsensical. If it had been better paced, I wouldn't dislike this book as much as I do. I know of the three of us, I dislike it the most. But, like, if it were just paced better, it would have been, even that would have helped, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I've heard from people that she has a prequel series to this. I've heard that's better. Um, which I would hope because that was written like later on in her life. Hopefully she's learned something from this. But I haven't read any of those. I probably
1: Yeah, I definitely, will. I'm like 100% sure that her other books are probably better than this one. Like this is definitely someone's first novel, you know? Although so. <laughs> I
0: did read, I I read her newest one that she co-wrote with Halle Black. Because I was like, I love Halle Black. Let me check this out. And it's called The Iron Trial. I didn't love it um it it is middle grade though so it is shorter than this so at least it has that but it still feels <laughs> like super derivative of harry potter and not in a good way
2: hmm. which is interesting because i don't find holly black to be that way i know i know actually. so i
0: feel like cassie clare maybe wrote the outline or something in holly i don't know i would like to know the breakdown of how it happened but it definitely felt more like a cassie clare book to me than a holly black book which is to me a disappointment
1: apparently Maureen Johnson also just wrote a short story that has to do with Simon and I, I just think it's so interesting how these other YA authors that I really enjoy will like they write in this unit, you know and it's just like yeah
0: because like the spinoff about Magnus Bain that was co-written I think it's Sarah Brennan and Maureen Johnson wrote those stories for that book oh. um, along with Cassie Clare
2: It's very, you know, to be honest, like, I kind of felt the same way about her fan fiction, that it was, it wasn't bad, it was mediocre, it was fine. And I didn't understand why people were insane about it. And I, I do feel like she is friends with so many YA authors who I love and respect and who I think are great writers. And I don't understand how she has this crazy fan base and like has all of these other authors who love her and love her work. And I just don't personally see the appeal. (gasps) You know what it
0: was? You know what it was? I bet that Cassie Clare was bitten by a radioactive Amanda Palmer. (laughs) 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 She has Amanda Palmer disease. (laughs) Okay, that's solved. Let's move on to dramatic readings.
1: (laughs) That's the only logical explanation.
2: (laughs) Uh, Nicole's going to do the first dramatic reading. She's going to read like the literal opening of the book. So it will very much give you a taste of what the feel of this book is. And spoiler alert, it is first season Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm only skipping a couple paragraphs. So this is like literally on page two, the beginning of the book. The boy grinned. He was normal enough looking, Clary thought, for pandemonium. He had electric blue-dyed hair that stuck up around his head like the tendrils of a startled octopus, but no elaborate facial tattoos or big metal bars through his ears or lips. I'm a vampire hunter. He pushed down on the wooden thing. It bent as easily as a blade of grass bending sideways. It's fake, foam rubber, see? The boy's wide eyes were way too bright green, Clary noticed. The color of antifreeze, spring grass. Colored contact lenses, probably. The bouncer shrugged, abruptly bored whatever go on in the boy slid past him quick as an eel clary liked the lilt to his shoulders the way he tossed his hair as he went there was a word for him that her mother would have used insouciant you thought he was cute said simon sounding resigned didn't you clary dug her elbow into his ribs but didn't answer and then there's a weird scene break (laughs) moving on inside the club was full of dry ice smoke Colored lights played over the dance floor, turning it into a multicolored fairyland of blues and acid greens, hot pinks and golds. The boy in the red jacket stroked the long, razor sharp blade in his hands, an idle smile playing over his lips. It had been so easy, a little bit of a glamor on the blade to make it look harmless, another glamor on his eyes, and the moment the bouncer had looked straight at him, he was in. Of course, he could probably have gotten by without all that trouble, but it was part of the fun, fooling the Mundies, doing it all out in the open right in front of them, getting off on the blank looks on their sheep-like faces. Not that the humans didn't have their uses. The boy's green eyes scanned the dance floor, where slender limbs clad in scraps of silk and black leather appeared and disappeared inside the revolving columns of smoke as the Mundys danced. Girls tossed their long hair, boys swung their leather-clad hips, and bare skin glittered with sweat. Vitality just poured off them, waves of energy that filled him with a drunken dizziness. His lip curled. They didn't know how lucky they were. They didn't know what it was like to eke out life in a dead world where the sun hung limp in the sky like a burned cinder. Their lives burned as brightly as candle flames and were as easy to snuff out. So yeah, there's that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so that's, we mentioned this a little bit, I think, but it throughout the book, there's these occasional weird shifts of point of view for like no reason or no apparent like acknowledgement it's not like this is clary's chapter and this is jace's chapter it's like the whole book is clary except for a few paragraphs occasionally yeah
2: Yeah. and there are sometimes like scene breaks like you know you'll be reading a book and they'll switch to a different location or they'll jump forward in time and they'll put like three little stars or some sort of sort of flourish on the page um they'll have those like literally mid-scene Um, In this book, in fact, I think there's one in the next dramatic reading we're going to do, but it will literally be the same scene, the same location, the same narrator, the same train of thought, but there's a a section break. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then like sorry
2: go ahead
0: oh well like like i was saying before it's something i can relate to because it's something that i know that i do in my own writing before like somebody else catches it for me or before i'm like oh wait a second i forgot this was supposed to be from somebody else's point of view delete 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 and cassie's
1: like nope leaving that in yeah (laughs) it's exactly like she's you're right like she just skipped the her like the self-editing part you know like oh god it's just
2: A chapter near the end that is um, Uncle Luke telling Clary about, like, what happened with the inner circle and how it broke up and how her mother left her father and how Luke left the the group, the Death Eaters of this world. And it's just randomly in the first person from his point of view.
1: Oh, my God. It's so random. And then, like, the scene I just read is random, too, because this kid... Ends up, this is the kid in the plot summary that Kate was talking about, the guy, the other kid with the blue hair, he ends up being killed. So it's literally like she, it's like she didn't know how else to set up the world except to put us in the mind of one of the downworlders who gets killed by the shadow hunters. but like, it would have been so much better if the reader was as in the dark about it as Clary, because then once we see Jason, Isabel, and Alec kill this kid, we know that he was a demon, because we just read from his point of view, but Clary doesn't know And I'm like, it would have been so much better if the readers were also like, are they telling the truth or are they just like crazy?
0: Or even say, then it switches to Jace and he's like, oh, and that kid with the blue hair is totally a demon, like blah, blah, blah. And then at least you're kind of like, oh, wait, is is this kid crazy thinking there's a demon in the club or is it really a demon? And like, and also Jace is a character who survives for the rest of the book. So maybe it makes (laughs) sense to give us a little more info about him. But nope. It's from, I don't think this kid even has a name. I think he's just a blue hair demon.
1: Yeah, I don't think he has, I don't think he ever, oh my God. It's just like, and then, oh, it's just the worst. R.I.P. Blue hair demon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Nicole and I, the next dramatic reading, Nicole and I are going to read some bits of info dump, which is another thing um, that Cassandra Claire likes to use dialogue to get all the exposition across in just, like, huge chunks. So we're going to read a little bit about that as Hodge, the instructor at the Institute, tells Clary a little bit about the history of their world.
1: It said something about a valentine, but...
2: Hodge jerked upright so abruptly that Hugo, who had been resting comfortably on his shoulder, launched himself into the air with an irritable caw. Valentine? Yes, Clara said. I heard the same name in pandemonium
1: from the boy. I mean, the demon.
2: It's a name we all know, Hodge said shortly. His voice was steady, but she could see a slight tremble in his hands. Hugo, back on his shoulder, ruffled his feathers uneasily. A demon? No, Valentine is, was a shadow hunter. A shadow hunter? Why do you say was? Because he's dead, said Hodge flatly. He's been dead for 16 years.
1: Clary sank back against the couch cushions. Her head was throbbing. Maybe she should have gone for that tea after all. Could it be someone else? Someone with the same name? Hodge's laugh was a humorless bark.
2: No, but it could have been someone using his name to send a message. He stood up and paced to his desk, hands locked behind his back. And this would be the time to do it. Why now? Because of the Accords.
1: The peace negotiations? Jace mentioned those. Peace with who?
2: Downworlders, Hodge murmured. He looked down at Clary. His mouth was a tight line. Forgive me, this must be confusing for you. You think? He leaned against the desk, stroking Hugo's feathers absently. Downworlders are those who share the shadow world with us. We have always lived in this uneasy peace with them. Like vampires, werewolves, and... The fair folk, Hodge said, fairies. And Lilith's Lilith's children, being half-demon, are warlocks. So what are you shadow hunters? We are sometimes called Nephilim, said Hodge. In the Bible, they were the offspring of humans and angels. The legend of the origin of shadow hunters is that they were created more than a thousand years ago, when humans were overrun by demon invasions from other worlds. Jonathan Shadowhunter, the first of the Nephilim, summoned the angel Raziel, who mixed some of his own blood with the blood of men in a cup and gave it to those men to drink. Those who drank the angel's cup, the angel's blood became shadow hunters, as did their children and their children's children. The cup thereafter was known as the mortal cup. Though the legend may not be fact, what is true is that through the years, when shadow hunter ranks were depleted, it was always possible to create more shadow hunters using the cup.
1: ...was always possible?
2: The cup is gone, said Hodge. Destroyed by Valentine just before he died. He set a great fire that burned himself to death along with his family, his wife and his child. Scorch the land black. No one will build there still. They say the land is cursed. Is it? Possibly. The council, that is the voting body of the clave, those shadow hunters who make final decisions of policy and law... Hands down curses on occasion as punishment for breaking the law. Valentine broke the greatest law of all. He took up arms against his fellow shadow hunters and slew them. He and his group, the circle, killed dozens of their brethren, along with hundreds of downworlders during the last accords. They were only barely defeated.
1: Why would he want to turn on other shadow hunters?
2: He didn't approve of the accords. He despised downworlders and felt that they should be slaughtered wholesale to keep this world pure for human beings. Though the downworlders are not demons, not invaders, he felt that they were demonic in nature, and that was enough. The clave did not agree. They felt the assistance of downworlders was necessary, and if we were ever to dry off, drive off demonkind for good. Who could, and who could argue, really, that the fair folk do not belong in this world when they have been here longer than we have?
1: Did the Accords get signed?
2: Yes, they were signed. When the Downworlders saw the clave turn on Valentine and his circle in their defense, they realized Shadowhunters were not their enemies. Ironically, with his insurrection, Valentine made the continuation of the Accords possible. Hodge sat down in the chair again. I apologize. This must be a dull history lesson for you. That was Valentine, a firebrand, a visionary, a man of great personal charm and conviction, and a killer. Now someone is invoking his name. But who? Clary asked. And what does my mother have to do with it? Hodge stood up again. I don't know, but I shall do what I can to find out. I will send messages to the clave and also to the silent brothers. They may wish to speak with you. So we didn't actually edit anything out. I know sometimes we just do dialogue only when we do these. That is how this was written. Just pages (laughs) of
1: dialogue with said Hodge, said Clary. Hodge sat down, interspersed with it. And and the chapter doesn't end there either. There's like still a little bit more info dumping after that. Also, Kate, okay, I totally have to ask you for a second. Did you make up the name, was it Jonathan Shadowhunter? Because that is not in my version of the book. Like There were certain parts that you read that were almost completely different. I guess that they edited them later.
2: Maybe. Uh, mine is the... Um the Kindle version, but I did not make up a single word that I read. (laughs) Because,
1: like, I I almost, like, started cry laughing when you said that.
2: (laughs) No, I literally... Jonathan Shadowhunter, the first of the
1: (laughs) Nephilim. Oh, my God. I can't... Like, mine mine just says, a warlock summoned the angel Razael, but... When you said Jonathan, I thought you were like bullshitting me. Like I thought you. Oh my god, off. no! <laughs> I guess in
2: later editions, when she wrote more, you know, this is why I never post works in progress of fan fiction because sometimes you need to edit things and go back and change them.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. Oh my god, it's really Jonathan Shadowhunter though.
2: <laughs> Legit. I will take a screenshot and I will send it to you.
1: Oh my god! Yes, please.
2: <laughs> anyway, that that is a thing that happens in this book.
0: Uh, so our next dramatic reading, um, and last, unfortunately for you, if you want more of this delightful dialogue, you'll have to pick up the book. Our last one is right before Clary and her friends go to Magnus's fabulous vampire party. Um, and we chose this because it, it caps, it captures a lot of the dialogue overkill and like, especially the banter. And it describes some of the like, very hand wavy magic that's happening. So, for this one, um, Kate will be Clary, um, I'll be Jace, and Nicole will read the roles of both Isabel and Alec,
2: because they don't say as much. Keep up. Said an irritable voice in her ear. It was Jace who had dropped back to walk beside her.
0: I don't want to have to keep looking behind me to make sure nothing's happened to you. So don't bother. Last time I left you alone, a demon attacked you.
2: Well, I'd certainly hate to interrupt your pleasant night stroll with my sudden death.
0: He blinked. There is a fine line between sarcasm and outright hostility,
2: and you seem to have crossed it. What's up? She bit her lip. This morning, weird creepy guys dug around in my brain. Now I'm going to meet the weird creepy guy who originally dug around in my brain. What if I don't like what he finds? What makes you think you won't? Clary pulled her hair away from her sticky skin. I hate it when you answer a question with a question.
0: No you don't. You think it's charming. Anyway, wouldn't you rather know the truth?
2: No. I mean, maybe. I don't know, she sighed. Would you?
1: This is the right street, called Isabel a quarter of a block ahead. They were on a narrow avenue lined with old warehouses, though most now bore the signs of human residence. Window boxes filled with flowers, lace curtains blowing in the clammy night breeze, numbered plastic trash cans stacked on the sidewalk. Clary squinted hard, but there was no way to tell if this was the street she'd seen at the Bone City, In her vision it had been nearly obliterated with snow. She felt Jace's fingers brush her shoulder. Absolutely.
0: Always.
2: She looked sideways at him, not understanding. What?
1: The truth. I would- Jace! It was Alec. He was standing on the pavement, not far away. Clary wondered why his voice had sounded so loud.
0: Jace turned, his hand falling away from her shoulder. Yes?
1: I think we're in the right place. Alec was pointing at something Clary couldn't see. It was hidden behind the bulk of a large black car. What's that? Jace joined
2: Alec. Clary heard him laugh. Coming around the car, she saw what they were looking at, several motorcycles, sleek and silvery, with low-slung black chases. Oily-looking tubes and pipes slithered up and around them, ropey as veins. There was a queasy sense of something organic about the bikes, like the bio-creatures in a Geiger painting. Vampires. It looked like motorcycles to me, said Simon, joining them with Isabel at his side. She frowned at the bikes.
1: They are, but they've been altered to run on demon energies, she explained. Vampires use them. It lets them get around fast at night. It's not strictly covenant, but... I've heard some of the bikes can fly, said Alex eagerly. He sounded like Simon with a new video game. Or go invisible at the flick of a switch, or operate underwater.
0: So, uh, a few more things that this book highlights, um... Demon energies. We don't know what that is or, like, why that makes sense, but whatever. And then also, like, describing it as looking like a Geiger painting. Like, Clary's constantly making these, like, really pretentious, just, like, Western History 101 references to things. There's a moment where she and Jace bond over the fact that she recognizes a Blake poem. Like... It's very much – there's, like, a Tumblr post that's been going around where it's, like, every YA novel, and it's, like, the boy drops Romeo and Juliet, and the girl's like, you, you like Shakespeare? And he's like, yeah. And then their <laughs> eyes – and it's, like, very that. Like, they have this, like, huge boner for each other for both knowing, like, basic, like, tenets of wizard, Western Civ. Good for them.
1: Oh, yeah. And then this – yeah, the hand-waving magic thing is just – she spends so much time like info dumping other things that I didn't realize that she had apparently I think one of you said written prequels so it's like she spent so much time on the backstory and I was like just write the prequels you obviously want to do that so just do it and then she hand waves all this magic stuff where like I don't need an in-depth explanation but literally i don't know what the phrase demon energies means and then they ride of one of those motorcycles later and it disintegrates in sunlight i like i just don't understand at all wait i thought it just stopped working no no it now i have to look it up i had it marked before but i don't but no it it disintegrates like clary after they crash in the parking lot clary watches it disintegrate as the sunlight hits it
0: i guess i missed that that's so stupid then do they have to put their bikes in garages or like (laughs)
1: I I guess. guess. (laughs) I think. I think they found it covered with a tarp, so I guess like a tarp is sufficient. I don't know. Okay. That sounds
2: like hard to manage on the streets of Brooklyn. It's exhausting.
1: Well, they park them on the roof, Kate, because they're flying motorcycles. Oh right, right, right. (laughs) That's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) In direct sunlight all day. (laughs) This tarp will totally protect it.
0: Okay. So let's move on then to Would You Rather. And our first would you rather is, would you rather have a demon motorcycle or have a portal? Which we didn't really discuss, but there are a couple of these magical doors in Brooklyn and elsewhere that will take you wherever you're thinking of. Or, for plot reasons, if you're (laughs) not thinking of anything, it will take you to the last place that the last person who used it went.
1: Yes, when you foolishly go through the gate for no freaking reason.
0: As Clary did. (laughs) So I have to say, hearing all this information that I guess I skimmed about the demon motorcycle changes things. Because um, if it just dis- if it disintegrates in sunlight, like that is stupid. Like one <laughs> mistake and you're it's gone.
1: You're back to your bicycle. So unless your bicycle is also a demon runs on demon energies. Oh shit! Yeah, then you're walking. <laughs> unless you're a demon because you can't walk in sunlight.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> In this scenario, I'll assume that I'm still human. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) So, I mean, the, the downside of the portal, I guess, is it attracts demons to you and you might get, like, attacked or murdered or whatever. But it seems really convenient, so I guess I'll take that.
2: Yeah, I would also have a portal because even if, you know, you do have a motorcycle that happens to be able to fly or work underwater or whatever... It doesn't seem to go, like, extra fast or anything. You're still only traveling as fast as a motorcycle would travel. Whereas a portal, in theory, if you're just like, I want to go to Target, you open it up and you're in Target. And that's super convenient.
1: Yeah, I definitely also would go with the portal. um, Because I also, like I said, don't understand demon energies. and I'm not sure I want to be around that. Like, at least a demon coming through the portal. I know how to handle that by running away and like screaming, but and demon energy and throwing a knife at it apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's true cuz it's super easy guys. Um but like demon energy seems too nebulous to me. I don't want to deal with any of that. And also I have insider information that apparently you can just create portals like whenever you want, because in this book they talk about, like, there are only two portals in New York City, and, like, that's one of the major ways they find out where Valentine is. Yeah, in the plot summaries about these books, apparently later on they just, like, create portals willy-nilly all the time. So I don't I don't know what's up with that, but it'll be super convenient.
0: All right, next up, and this is another thing that we didn't actually address, but like most YA protagonists, Clary describes herself as clumsy. It doesn't come up as much as, like, Bella Swan, but... She's
1: clumsy. I would not describe her as clumsy, but yes, she describes herself that way. Mm
0: -hmm. Which I kind of get because I do think a lot of teenagers, you know, you just feel awkward in your body, like, whatever. I kind of get why that's a trope. But anyway, would you rather be a clumsy girl who doesn't know she's beautiful (laughs) or a beautiful girl who doesn't know she's clumsy? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. My mental Um, image, by the way, of the beautiful girl who doesn't know she's clumsy is totally John Hamm's character from 30 Rock, who just, like, (laughs) he's terrible at tennis, but nobody, everyone lets him win just because he's so handsome. So I think it is that scenario. And I also think that I would pick that because that sounds pretty good.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I also would pick that um, because I'm already pretty clumsy and I think that, being beautiful and not knowing I was clumsy would be like a really good beginning to a rom-com, which I'm up for that.
1: I actually am going the opposite. I think I would rather be a clumsy girl who doesn't know she's beautiful because if I'm legit clumsy, like not just feeling clumsy, but not actually that clumsy, like if I'm legitimately clumsy, I feel like if I'm aware of it, I can prevent myself from like falling down the stairs or, you know, it seems like there's more hazard involved if you don't know that you're clumsy. So I'm definitely going... I'd rather be aware of clumsiness, I think.
0: But if you're beautiful, people will catch you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if I, if, but other people apparently would think I'm beautiful, even though I don't know it. So hopefully someone would catch me anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. The important thing is we're not ugly.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, if Model Land taught me anything when you guys <laughs> were describing it, I definitely do not want to be ugly, no matter what. Mm-mm.
2: Yeah, that's another thing that, um, you know, you probably were able to infer is that, Clary thinks several times about how she's so plain looking compared to her mother, who's beautiful. But then, Isabelle gives her a makeover before they go to a party, and she realizes that she really is beautiful.
0: OMG. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay, last up. Would you rather be trapped in an attic with your sexy brother, or be a shadow hunter with your sexy brother?
2: <laughs> um, I'm going to choose shadow hunter, because... A, I wouldn't need to be trapped in a space. And as I do actually have a brother, like, I don't know, being trapped in an attic would probably get awkward. Um, and also, you know, we would have free reign to go basically wh- wherever and we would have, like, cool Shadow Hunter powers. And we wouldn't necessarily have to see each other a lot. Uh, you know, kind of like now where I was eating breakfast half a mile from where my brother lived today and didn't even call him (laughs) um i mean i
0: i get along with my brother i'm not attracted to him sexually uh unlike (laughs) unlike some people clary um that said i mean i being trapped in an attic sounds pretty terrible no matter no matter what Although being a shadow hunter, like, you, you could die. It sounds pretty harrowing. I'm not, like, a very heroic person. I've never thrown a knife. <laughs> it's super <laughs> easy. I guess I could learn, though. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I guess I'll also choose to be a shadow hunter.
2: I mean, you could be, like, a librarian shadow hunter like Hodge.
1: Oh, yeah, or, like, the Silent Uh, Brothers. Yeah. Totally stole my... That's what I was going to say. I was going to say I would totally be a shadow hunter, because apparently you can also just, like, choose to go into exile or be in the library all the time. So you wouldn't necessarily have to be, like, out fighting all this... You know the scary things all the time but then like kate said you can just not be around your sexy brother and have that temptation all the time either so it's like the best of both worlds so i would definitely be a shadow hunter with my sexy brother also ps spoiler alert they don't actually end up being siblings so
0: yeah you mentioned that before could you just tell me how does that happen
1: (laughs) i have to tell you i was reading the it was the wikipedia plot summaries so maybe some of it is in you know wikipedia so but i have to tell you i i couldn't make sense of most of it but at one point, I think in the third book, because I didn't, there were like six, which I didn't realize. Um, There's a lot. Yeah. So I think it, I only read up to like the third or fourth plot summary, but I think it's in the third book where Jocelyn wakes up, all this other stuff that I don't understand. Wait, in the she's plot been
0: summary, in a happens. coma for that long? Yeah. I assume yeah. that would get resolved in the next
1: book. I'm pretty sure it's in the third book that she wakes up. Maybe I'm Are we wrong. sure? Because now
0: that. I'm just thinking of her as, like, Buster Blue. Like, she's just faking it to get away. She's like, this seems like a lot of work. I'm just still in a coma, guys. Bye.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't blame her if she's faking it, but I'm pretty sure. But I don't... And then some, all these other characters are introduced that, like, I, so I can't even... But one of them at some point, or Valentine at some point, someone tells Jace and Clary that they were actually experiments what? done by Valentine. What? And then also... Jace supposedly has demon blood, so he's sort of like Sam Winchester (laughs) from Supernatural for a little while, but then, I don't remember if it's Jocelyn or someone else who says that Jace actually has angel blood, and he's actually the son of somebody else that, I guess, Jocelyn you know had a relationship with so there's jocelyn there's fucked that, an angel I, have no, I don't know i don't know if that's what it is or if he was some. i i have no idea like i said i can not accept most of this whoa <laughs> um, i
2: wonder if i wonder if that wasn't why if that wasn't the retcon because jonathan shadow hunter yeah
1: like like that, wait I think that's <laughs> the name of of the guy who's father though I don't know i have no idea i don't really know but basically he ends up having angel blood instead of demon blood and there's this other character named sebastian who's introduced and he is actually clary's brother like he's the i don't know so but yeah jace ends up not so it's like she
0: so does she end up with with jace like romantically in the end
1: i think so but like i said i didn't actually read to the last book because i literally like it got so crazy like i couldn't make any sense of it. i was like i feel like i'm i'm gonna like die if i keep reading this like my brain is just going to stop functioning so i only read through the third book but jace actually dies at the end of the third book and then she gets some special wish where she can bring him back to life so she does and then someone else asks her if she wants another wish or something she's like i already have everything i need so i think they end up together wow yeah it's it's real crazy guys
0: (laughs) (laughs) cool cool Um, Okay, well, let's move on to our reader's advisory, where we would recommend things to um, read in addition to or instead of this. And I mean, we all have a lot because why like some other ones like with Michael Crichton, it's like, I don't even know, I don't read adult thrillers. But I think all of us do read a lot of YA fantasy. So this is kind of our jam. So (laughs) I'm excited to recommend some other books for you guys to read. And I'll, um, I'll start, actually, because I'm excited. And we've already, I've already name-dropped Holly Black, like, five times, and I'm going to continue to do that and say that, honestly, you should read everything Holly Black has written, except maybe the book that she co-wrote with Cassandra Clare <laughs> 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 But um, my favorite, personally, by Holly Black is the Curse Workers trilogy, and that, I think, is similar to this, especially in having kind of, like, a snarky, her- um, like, dark hero type, although holly black unlike cassie clare can banter i'm sorry can edit her banter down to where it like doesn't interfere with the plot but um then i think her tithe books and her some of her other stuff is maybe more um and like the darkest part of the forest her more fantasy books are a little bit more in line with the whole like shadow hunter business but anyway just just read holly black she's great
2: yeah also i mean also by holly black um i felt a lot of similarities with um the coldest girl in cold town in the first opening scenes of this book where they're at this weird vampire worshipy club and it kind of deviates from there as coldest girl in cold town is a vampire book and this is more general fantasy but like i definitely felt strong connections there um with those two and um you know, also, obviously, Harry Potter um, is one that I imagine everyone's already read, but there's a lot of um, blatant similarities between Buffy and Harry Potter and uh, this book.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to go with um, the Chaos Walking trilogy by Patrick Ness, which is actually a YA like, sci-fi dystopia, but I picked it because the main character is also like severely lied to about the world that he's living in, and it has... Like, really serious repercussions for the rest of the books, but also the books are just way better in every other way. So it's like a little different genre, but it's a sort of has some similarities, and I just think it's they're really great. So definitely read them.
0: Um, I'm gonna throw out quickly this is something probably, if you're into this, you've probably already read, but Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell is kind of um, a sideway into this, but it's pretty clearly about girls who like to write Harry Potter esque fan fiction. And although it's about Simon Snow, not about Harry
1: Potter, but,
0: you know, it's basically <laughs> I,
1: Harry Potter. I actually just started reading that, like, when I finished City of Bones. So I'm, like, halfway through Fangirl right now, and it is excellent.
2: And we'll have these and more up on the website um, for you to check out at worstbestsellers.com. So uh, head over there to hear about other things that you should read instead of this.
0: Hooray. By the way, we haven't talked about... There is a City of Bones movie that is apparently terrible, like, much worse than the book, even. (laughs) I have not seen the movie. But then I also heard that now they have announced they're going to make a... series. Yeah, which I'm kind of interested in. I don't know. I might watch it. You're a masochist. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think in the right hands, I feel like it could be good. I feel like it could be kind of, like, Buffy-ish, which is obviously what she was going for in the first place.
1: Yeah, I guess if they can get someone who can edit the story sufficiently... It could, because like I said, once the action started happening in the book, it wasn't terrible. And it
2: might might lend itself better to episodic. Like an entire episode about them rescuing Simon the Rat from the vampires would make more sense as like a monster of the week kind of deal than a random chapter in the middle of the book.
1: Yeah, I was actually wondering if either of you had seen the movie because I haven't either. And I was just really curious because I've heard that it's terrible also.
0: I mean, I can see why. (laughs) yeah with with
1: the source material yeah all
0: right real quick then um let's move on to our candy pairing which you might eat while you watch the tv show when it happens i don't know (laughs) all
1: right uh i'll start i'm gonna go with cherry heads because they sound good in theory but they taste terrible like i love actual cherries but then artificial flavor tastes like death but some people like them
0: i like them (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) i'm not offended um i'll mine is um you know the the birdie bots every flavor beans jelly bellies um a because they're obviously derivative of harry potter and then b they're not like as good as you would think the actual like literally magical candy would be but and some of them like are actually gross but overall it's like a fine fine candy
2: And I'm going to go with generic, like, supermarket brand M&Ms, because they're fine. Uh, They're not good, and you don't want to go out of your way to get them, but they're fine. There are worse things to eat. I wouldn't serve them at a party, but if I was stuck with them on a desert island, at least they would sustain me.
0: Yeah. Again, I do think that we should uh, start making mock covers for these books with our review.
1: Our <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely in support of that.
0: Um, and now it's time to play our new favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Nicole will choose um w- either which of these would make the book better, the most better, Or (laughs) choose paper, or just leave the book as is.
1: Oh, lots of pressure. All right, I'm (laughs) ready. Okay.
2: If The Rock was in this book, he would be another shadow hunter at the Institute, another one of their tutors, because it actually seems really weird that they only have one teacher. But so he eventually cottons on to Hodge being not really on the up and up. He keeps his suspicions to himself until Clary shows up, and unlike the rest of the world, he makes the intuitive leap that Clary's mother might be the shadow who might be a shadow hunter and is named Jocelyn, might be the same shadow hunter named Jocelyn that disappeared right around the time Clary would have been born. He immediately informs the clave on the DL and tags along on all of the kids' adventures around the city, keeping them safe. And thanks to his common sense, the Clave are able to intervene and protect the Mortal Cup, as well as rescue Jocelyn and capture Valentine.
0: This is a side note, but um, the whole time we've been talking about Hodge, I keep thinking about um, the Rock's character in the Fast and the Furious franchise, is named Hobbs, and so I keep <laughs> like getting that wire mixed in my head. And so I, I think that would be good. Um, okay, so if Wolverine were in this book. Uh, He would be friends with Luke because we all know that wolves and werewolves and wolverines are exactly the same animal. Um, Side note, that's one of my main pet peeves in uh, comics and also in the Wolverine prequel movie, (laughs) 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 that people act like wolves and wolverines are the same, and they're not actually. But... But Cassie Clare would make the same mistake, and so Wolverine would be friends with Luke. And so he, I think, would just be kind of another one of Clary's father figure types growing up, um, as Wolverine tends to do whenever there's young, like, girls in the immediate vicinity, like, kind of giving occasional advice against his will. And so then uh, in the book, when Clary and Jace go back to Luke's house to look for clues, they would find um, Wolverine there, and he would kind of tell them what information he knew about Valentine and all that shit. And he would go back to the Institute with them. Um, he would teach Clary how to throw knives and shit because what he does best is teach teenage girls how to throw knives and shit. She would then become more confident in her abilities as a baby shadow hunter. And that would make um, her more skilled. Like in the fight they have at Blackwell's Island where she kind of has a meltdown. Cause she's like, I'm not good at this. In in the actual book, that's what happens. I'm um, saying with Wolverine, she would be better at it. Um, and so because of that, because he'd be there and because she would be a little bit better at all of this, they would be able to save the cup from Valentine um, instead of him getting away with it. And then they would also, um, you know, know all the stuff about Hodge and so Wolverine would grudgingly find himself as the headmaster of the Institute. And they, he would use his own skills and the cup to train a whole new class of baby shadow hunters.
1: Oh, man. I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Uh, I am sensing a theme in the Wolverine ones, though, where he eventually becomes the headmaster of a bunch of teenage girls. <laughs> I mean, he's so good at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally into it. It's cool. And I mean, and that scene, would you know, that alternative would also explain why Clary's so good at throwing knives. But <laughs> I think I have to go with The Rock because... I feel like that would improve the book to the point where it would make it shorter as well because he would just be like, listen, let's cut through all this info dumping. I figured this out. Let's go handle it. And I can really appreciate that. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So Kate is the winner this time around. Solid. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) There are
2: very rarely losers in the rock paper snicked. It's That's true. true. That's fair.
0: Everyone wins. (laughs) Um, Okay. The moral of the story. What do we think guys?
2: I think that the moral of the story is that lying, your ki- lying to your kid to protect them from the possible forces of evil that might discover them and come for them at any moment is probably a bad idea.
1: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I also actually have two morals real quick if you're an aspiring writer you absolutely do not want the first novel you write to get published because you think you do but then that garbage is out there forever and as we saw when kate was reading that one scene and i was blown away by all the changes that were made it's really hard to retcon something that's already been published Mm -hmm. so beware and then my actual book related moral is don't go clubbing because it will ruin your life
0: and i'll say that rich magical supremacists are the worst
1: solid morals Mm -hmm. it's true yes
2: (laughs)
0: And uh, now we'll move on to Duarte's corner, where I give my cat Duarte the opportunity to express his thoughts and feelings about the book. Okay, Duarte, yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, I agree that, uh, you know, the, the whole thing with the rats, that could have been resolved much quicker if they had had a magical cat involved,
1: you're right. That's true, and they actually already have a magical cat, Church, so they totally should have utilized him more, I agree with that. Also, yeah. real quick, I just have to say, Duarte, my cats are huge fans of yours.
0: Aw, oh, he's blushing. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so humans, any closing thoughts?
1: Uh, I'll start. Just don't. Just don't read this book, guys. Seriously, read the the recommended ones that we have on the website. They're so much better. If you haven't read Harry Potter, just just read that. Just watch Buffy. They're so much better.
0: Unless you are a teenage girl, I mean, you you might like it. Many many of your brethren seem to. But if you're an adult, yeah, it's probably skippable.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. fair. It's it's all right for teenagers. Like it's not you know it's not terrible for them, but yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say if you're like the type of person who just eats this kind of book up who you're listening to being like, "Oh my god, yeah, those are things that I love in all of these books," then go for it as a person like cuz I know that like I if we're like talking about fan fiction, I'll read any story where my OTP is in an established relationship and has babies and, you know, has to talk about their feelings, no matter how badly written it is. So if you like this, if if this sounds like it's up your alley, you know, go for it. But if you're just, you know, all the fandom stuff about Cassie Claire intrigues you and you want to know more and, you know, you're just really curious, uh this is imminently skippable. It is not at all special in any way.
0: Harsh, but fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Another closing thought is that Kate and I have both been on um, the last few episodes using this podcast to try to Raise some money for a few good causes, um, which you can get more information on our website, although um, I think all of these events that we're raising money for are uh, winding down. But I've been raising money for the Kentucky Abortion Access Bullathon and for the Purple Stride Walk for Pancreatic Cancer.
2: And I've been raising money for the Na- uh, Massachusetts NAMI Walk and D donated money to the nami walk so this is a shout out for her she runs a blog called your number 54 fan which is available at yn54f.wordpress.com and it is letters to famous c- celebrities from their number 54 fan and it's pretty funny stuff so you should check it out
0: hooray thank you d thank, thank you, you Internet. Um, also thank you there have been some other people who've donated and requested no shout out um so thank you anonymous souls yes thank you all right um you can visit us online at worstbestsellers.com to find out how to donate money to our charities what books we recommend and other stuff you can subscribe to us on itunes and stitcher um please rate and review us there it'll you know it'll help all the magical creatures find us that need to know (laughs) that they're being hunted
2: definitely um you can like us on facebook you can follow us on twitter at worst bestseller with no s you can follow me on twitter at 14 across
1: you can follow me on twitter at renata snacks and you can follow me on twitter at n underscore d-e-g-e-n-n-a-r-o
0: hooray all right. Um we'll be back in 2 weeks with The Target by David Baldacci and we hope you'll tune in then.
2: Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.